Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our midweek Bible study here at New Beginnings. Uh, I'm Pastor Joe Soros. Um, I want to start off tonight with a very familiar scripture, John 3, 16. But I want you to listen to it um, a little bit more intently, like as if you're hearing it for the first time in the season that you're living in right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, one and only, or only begotten son, depending on the translation that, you, that you're used to reading. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, John 3, 16 always looks a little bit different during trying times. Times when we're very much aware of our own vulnerabilities. You think about the wording, think about the message of that scripture. For God so loved, there's action there. There's intentional, an intentional expression of his personality, his character, his very being. And he loved us so much that he gave his one and only. It's not like he had dozens of Jesuses around, his one, one. And that he makes Jesus available to us, makes love available to us to whoever believes that, and the end result would be that we would not perish, but that we would have eternal life. We really could say everlasting life from this point forward. Now, now, what kind of love, think about this, what kind of love endures all that Jesus did? What kind of love chases a creation that for the most part has rejected this savior rather than choosing to live for him, has rejected this savior who endured so much and chosen to live in sin. And honestly, right now, I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like we all need to be reminded of God's commitment to us. I have one of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is found in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse three, because I just, I just love the, the message that is sent through this scripture. Verse three says this, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I have drawn you. I love the way that that expresses itself. I have drawn you. In other words, there's something in us. It's almost like, like, like iron to a magnet. There is something in us that we're drawn to love. God created us this way. He created us and, and his commitment towards us as we get to know him more and more, it draws us more and more. I don't know if you can remember those of you that may already be born again. You've maybe been walking with the Lord for many years. Can you remember back in the days just before you had that encounter with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, just before that time when you started realizing what's happening here, my thoughts are turning towards him. My my heart is changing. I feel like I want to know him now. I never believed in him. I never thought he was real, but all of a sudden now I can't deny all these different things that are happening in my life. I want you to think about that. Listen to how it, say, it, 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 it says in the message translation, God told them, I'll never quit loving you and never will. 
expect love, love and more love. That man, that is like, that's like overwhelming. That's like too much icing on the cupcake. It's like, wow, so much love. C.S. Lewis, who I'm sure you're familiar with, the famous Christian author, wrote this. The great thing to remember is that our feelings come and go. His love for us does not. It is not wearied by our sins or our indifference. And therefore, it is quite relentless in its determination. Want to remember that word relentless? That we should be cured of those sins at whatever cost to us, at whatever cost to him. Relentless, consistent, persistent, unfailing, determined, never gives up, relentless. Uh, have you ever had a discussion with someone, to, to call it discussion, maybe more of a debate or an argument? An argument doesn't have to get out of hand. An argument, lawyer, we pay lawyers to argue for us. An argument is a natural thing. It's a presentation of different sides and different opinions. But have you ever been involved in a conversation with someone and they're just relentless? They just, they just won't stop. They just keep presenting the same idea over and over again. And it's like, you're like, stop. It's like too much now. And in reality, the love of God to us is, is relentless. He never stops. He never stops trying to reach us. He never stops showing compassion. He never stops uh, showing us how much he cares. Jesus displayed that kind of love on the cross. It's a, it, we could describe it as a 100% in love. Laying it all on the line. It's almost like a husband wanting to prove the depth of his love to his wife in order to gain her back. I've had situations like this. I've had individuals that I've counseled with over the years. And, you know, the husband has messed up and done something, but, but really truly realizes how much he really loves his wife, wants to keep his family together. And, and so you see at times that person doing everything possible to... Um, reestablish that connection, reestablish and to, to reestablish that commitment in the eyes of the other individual. And throughout scripture, we see that our relationship with God is referred to as a marriage. In the New Testament, we're, we're referred to, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. As a husband saying all that he can, doing all that he can to restore that marriage, to regain his bride, Jesus came saying all that was on God's heart and doing all that he could in order to bring us back to his heart. Now, since the Garden of Eden, God, and I, and I hope you don't take me as, as, as being disrespectful, but I can't think of a better illustration to use. God, like a jealous husband, has stalked us. Not for his benefit, but for ours. Everything that God does, it's not for his benefit, it's for our benefit. Today, if we, we're talking about a natural individual, human being, a man, invested in his bride to the extent that God has with us, the way God has pursued us, the way God has suffered humiliation in many terms, uh, many times, pain and suffering. If a man ever endured what God endures from us, from his creation, the rejection, the indifference, the coldness, and yet still pursues us. If we were talking about a, 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 a natural human being most of us would say that person's lost, lost all self-respect. They don't, they don't, they're, they're, they're just, they're overboard now. They should just, uh, they're foolish, they're unbalanced, they're way out of line with this. They're setting themselves up for more pain for the future. They just need to get on with their life. Yet Jesus came, 
lived on the earth, putting aside his divine attributes, lived here as one of us, as one in relationship with God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. He endured the shame of sin. He carried himself into the horrors of every, he carried upon himself, not only the pain, the physical suffering, but endured all of the diseases of mankind, according to the scriptures, endured separation from God at death, suffered on three levels of the human experience, spirit, soul, and body, and then stretch out his arms on the cross as if to say, there's nothing left for me to do here. I've endured all I can. Just think about that kind of humiliation. Just think about that kind of degradation to the lengths that he has gone to and continues to go to in order to reach you and to reach me. You now Jesus came and he walked through the poverty of this life in order to bring you and I back into the richness of his glory. And he's made the commitment that I will relentlessly pursue you till you take your last breath to get you back. Think about it this way. Relentless love doesn't know how to take no for an answer. It always believes the best, always speaks the best, always encourages, always satisfies. Relentless in his pursuit, he reached out from heaven in the form of Jesus. We're talking about our father. And Jesus one of his names or titles we could is Emmanuel, God with us. Not God far off in heaven, not God sitting on a throne, but God with us, coming here to save his people. Psalm 18, verse 16, the New Living Translation says it this way. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. Relentless love reaches down from eternity. I could say it this way, reaches back from eternity into our present day. It has no expiration date because love is eternal, because love is God. Is relentless in overcoming every obstacle. Even death couldn't hold Jesus back from showing his love. Going into hell and suffering, being in the grave for three, none of that stopped his love. And Jesus came out of that tomb in order to raise us up with him. In Ephesians chapter two, it tells us this, starting in verse four. But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ. He loves us so much. When you love somebody, you want to be around them all the time. When you love somebody, you want to be with them all the time. When you love somebody, you want to share life with them. You want to share your experiences with them. And just think about how much God loves us, that positionally he places us because we're in Christ. He places us right next to him in Christ. Why? Because he wants to share everything with us. He wants to share all our experiences. He wants us to be partakers of his divine nature. And so he's here with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Why? Because when you love somebody, you want to hang out with them all the time. The Apostle Paul had firsthand experience about this relentless love. He experienced it. I don't know anybody else in the, in the Bible. I don't know anybody else in human history that has experienced such extremes in his life. He knows what it was to be chased down by this relentless love. Uh, and he himself said it was the worst of sinners. And yet God, Jesus, chases him down 
even in the midst of him going to try to arrest and possibly uh, eradicate believers in the Messiah, that love chased Saul, the murderer, the persecutor of the Christians, all the way to the city of Damascus. It was on that, that dusty road that love knocked him off his feet and Saul came face to face with Jesus, the one whose very name he's trying to stamp out. That's love. Later on in his life, and I'm sure that experience never left him, and we see it in his writings, that that experience must have been so dramatic and so life-changing and so in his face and stark that he goes on later on when he's writing a letter to to the Roman believers at Rome. In verse eight, it's recorded for us, this is what Paul wrote. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we suffer from trouble or calamity. We're going through difficult times right now. Does it mean that he doesn't love us because we're going through hardship? Does it mean that, he, that his commitment has, has lessened towards us? No, absolutely not. Listen to the way the New Living Translation um, expresses these ideas. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute? or in danger, or threatened with death. Does it mean he doesn't love you because your favorite restaurant closed down and now you can't get that comfort meal that you, that you enjoy? Does it mean he doesn't love us because you can't get through to the unemployment uh, agency uh, on computer, online, and, and, and there's nobody, there's not a face that you can go talk to, and you're suffering hardship, and you're behind in your bills, and, and possibly your house may go into foreclosure? Does it mean that he no, no longer loves us? Of course not. As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I want to add this, who continues to love us. And then he goes on to say in verse 38, and I am sure that he's thinking about his experience on the road to Damascus. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, that is a mouthful. And that relentless love is not a past tense love. It's a present tense reality. And is here right now tugging. He's, it's tugging at the hearts of those he's pursuing. There may be some of you right now that are watching this, whether you're watching it tonight on Wednesday night or whether you're watching this weeks in the future on YouTube. Know that he's tugging on your heart. You, you might feel it right now. They might feel like, man, this, this, this message is like coming right out of the screen and just pulling on your heart. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the matchmaker, the one who brings both parties together. He's trying to bring your heart and put it in a position where you receive the love of God that's gonna change your life. And I hope that you yield to that. This kind of love that we're talking about makes no sense to, to us in our human psyche, in our, our way of thinking. 
And some of you may be saying that kind of love is just unreasonable. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. You're, you're right. You're absolutely correct. It doesn't because it's a supernatural love. It's not human love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, it says that God is love. Uh, and not he was or he's going to be love, but he is now love. And that love is waiting for an opportunity to love you. And the Apostle John quoted a revelation of that kind of love. Again, in 1 John, same chapter, chapter 4, in verse 18. Remember, this is a supernatural love. Supernatural, above natural, beyond natural love. And a supernatural love has capabilities that human love does not have. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, listen to these words. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Casts out fear. Doesn't tolerate it. Casts out fear. And here's the reason why. Because fear involves torment. Your father doesn't want you to experience torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Perfect. That, that word might have thrown you. Let me read it again. For there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out. Think of, think of it this way. Just rejects it. Rejects fear. Casts out fear. Won't tolerate it. Won't stand for it. Because fear involves torment. And that kind of fear does not come from God. It comes from the enemy of, the enemy of your soul, my soul. Perfect should really be, we should really think of it in this sense. When the Bible in the New Testament uses the word perfect, it really is talking about mature, seasoned. It's talking, it's referring to a person who's well acquainted with the love of God. So what he's saying here is, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you have not immersed yourself, if you have not studied the love of God, if, if you are still thinking about God's love as being the same type of love that you might have experienced from your parents or the kind of love you have for your children or the kind of love you have for your spouse or your friend or your, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, you still have not been made perfect in love because that love is flawed. That love is faulty. That love many times is self-centered. It's more selfish than it is. In other words, I love you because of the way you make me feel. God loves us because he knows it benefits us. And so if you're not perfect in that, if you're not matured in that, if you haven't been seasoned and, you, and you're not well acquainted with that love, you're still gonna experience fear that'll bring you torment. But that's not God's desire, not God's will. In this season right now, there are people who are tormented in their minds. Where is this all going? What is life gonna look like in the future? Am I gonna have a job? Am I still gonna have a place to live? Am I gonna have food on the table? All of these things come to torment our minds. The enemy tries to use them and he tries to exaggerate. The enemy is an exaggerator. And the one purpose that he exaggerates things is for you to fall back in your knowledge of the love of God and to start feeling intimidated and to start feeling insecure and to start feeling worried and anxious. And that brings torment. But the Bible tells us that perfect, mature, seasoned, well-acquainted love. In other words, you're just so convinced that he loves you, so convinced that he's committed to you, that none of these other things matter. That's the time and that's the place where torment, fear gets cast out. We won't tolerate it. God's love literally defeats the enemy himself. 
And there, there is, a, and the reason why, and the reason why God, God's love goes far beyond human love, is because fear is a manifestation of Satan, and God does not want His children to experience any manifestations of Satan whatsoever. Now, there is a word that appears over and over in the scriptures. It's used to describe us in the eyes of God. Actually, God Himself, the Holy Spirit Himself, uses this word many times, and that is the word beloved. When you break down the word beloved, in English, in our language, we have two words and one instruction that's given to us in the New Testament. Be loved. Be loved. It's, an act, it's almost like a command to action. Be loved. Why? Because the only person who's going to decide in whether you're going to experience God's love or not is not God. It's you. It's me. If we will be loved, if we will allow him to love us, if we just throw ourselves into his arms and allow him to love us, we'll experience that love. We'll experience freedom from torment, freedom from fear. Now, the Bible is the only place that gives us this instruction. Life itself will tell us, be angry, be ashamed, but Jesus tells us over and over again to simply be loved, be loved, allow the love. You know, God's love can, can just pass us by sometimes without notice and without recognition. But I hear Jesus saying that we can live every day, all day, being loved, being received, being accepted, being being embraced, being loved, just being surrounded by his goodness. And that love is constantly being poured out on us so that it could be poured out through us. And, and some people miss it. Some people say the love of God is just all around them and they're just not experiencing it. Have you ever noticed, maybe you've been uh, at a social gathering and, um, and we hope to be back in social gatherings again, but you ever notice that there's, you can be in a party and, and bunches of people in, in rooms and noise and music and everybody having fun, and then there's always that one person. Everybody else has having fun, but that one person is just sitting there and even in the midst of a crowd is still lonely. We could say, that that person just won't allow themselves to be loved by everyone that's there. That person maybe is not allowing themselves to experience the fun, the excitement, the fellowship, the common love for one another. Well, sometimes we do the same thing with God. In the midst of all of his outpouring of doing so much for us, sometimes we're just oblivious to it. Maybe, maybe you've had something happen to you and your heart has become hard. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you're entertaining the thoughts that you're just not worthy, uh, so you reject it. Uh, or maybe, I'm sorry to say it this way, but maybe some of us are just so arrogant and full of pride that you refuse it. I don't need that love. And some become callous and ignore it. But the truth of the matter is, God hasn't stopped loving you, even, to, even because you haven't received it. Now, you're not living the quality of life that he would love you to have but he hasn't stopped loving you. All of your arrogance, all of your pride, all your hardness of heart, all your callousness, it's not gonna stop him. It doesn't change his character. And thank God it doesn't change his character and his nature. Christian author John Ortberg 
wrote in his book, God is closer than you think. This is what he said. My desire for God ebbs and flows. In other words, it's like the tide. It comes and goes. But his love for me is constant. And we need to thank God that it's constant. Relentless. Never stopping. That's how we describe God's love as he pursues us. You and I can't do enough to earn it. All we can do is respond to it and say thank you. And it can only become a reality if it is received and accepted. And so I say to you this night, be loved. Be loved. Allow him to love you. Yeah, it, yeah, you're going through tough times right now. We all are. Yeah, you've got unresolved issues in your heart. There's things, there's people that you need to forgive. There's people that need to forgive you. Yeah, the, the future is uncertain to us now but it is very certain to God. So, so yeah, we have all these things going on, but don't allow that to, to get you to the place where you, you can't even recognize that God wants to love you. I pray that you'll open up your heart. I pray that you'll allow him to put you in that category that the Bible calls beloved. So I want to point out to you before we wrap this up, yeah, there's a lot of confusion right now and there is uncertainty. But I want to point you to one certainty, an immovable foundational truth. God has committed his love to you. And I want to take this opportunity to offer to those of you that have not experienced yet the reality of a relationship with this God that loves you so much. Maybe you haven't experienced yet the life-changing, heart-wrenching reality of how much Jesus suffered and endured for your sake and for my sake to bring us back into this relationship with the Father. And so I want to give us an opportunity right now to declare with our mouth what we believe in our heart. And whether, whether, you're, going to, whether you're going to receive Christ tonight for the very first time, and when I say receive, I'm saying that maybe this is the point in time in your life right now as you're watching this, that the Holy Spirit has grabbed a hold of your heart and he is making you know that Jesus is so real and that he loves you so much. I know this sounds so cliche-ish, but we don't have human words to describe it other than this. He loves you. He's committed to you. He doesn't want you to spend eternity separated from him. And he loves you so much that that drove him to go to the lengths that he did and suffer the death that he did so that you and I could be reconnected to our Father in heaven. Well, what do I need to do, Pastor? Declare with your mouth what you believe in your heart about Jesus Christ. Pour your heart out to him. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer but you can pour your heart out to him. He knows the things that you've gone through. He knows what you're facing now. He knows what's gone on in your life that's gotten you to this point. And he loves you. For those of you that maybe have prayed the prayer of salvation in the past, and you feel like, man, it's just my relationship with God has gotten cold, then pray this prayer again as an act of dedication 
rededicating, recommitting your life to God. Say this with me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he went to the cross to pay for my sins. I know that I cannot earn my salvation. And I thank you that Jesus Christ purchased my salvation for me. And so therefore, I declare my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for reconnecting me to my Father in heaven. I can declare now that salvation is mine. Thank you for making me a child of God. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I am trusting and believing God that this message has taken hold of your heart and has reached out and grabbed a hold of you. I pray that you'll walk in the truth of everything that we talked about and that you allow God to love you. Be loved in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.